Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Green Section podcast series. We've got an exciting show for you today. We've got Brian Whitlark, who is a senior consulting agronomist in the West region. Brian started uh, 2008 uh, visiting courses uh, out west, and um, you know has a, a strong background in agronomy and and uh, soil science uh, prior to joining the USGA. Uh, and then we also have uh, Doug Soldat, a professor of soil science uh, with the University of Wisconsin. So uh, a little bit biased towards towards Doug. I went to Wisconsin myself. Uh, we just sort of uh, overlapped a little bit with my time there and right when you were finishing up. So, uh, but it's been, you know, cool to you know, stay in touch with you and see, uh, you know, as you've sort of progressed going to Cornell and then heading back to Wisconsin. So um, definitely jealous to, you know, you get to call Madison home. That's that's a fun spot. I, I certainly enjoyed my time uh, at Wisconsin, maybe a little too much, but um, nonetheless, it's a, it's a fun spot to be. So uh, today our topic is really all around organic matter and, and organic matter testing. Uh, obviously, uh, organic matter is a major focus for golf course superintendents and really turf grass managers everywhere uh, when you think about the impact it has on both plant conditions uh, and turf grass health and performance. So um, wanted to get you two guys on here to, to really talk about an exciting project that's going on uh, related to organic matter testing and to really try to build some consistency um, uh, amongst uh, the different testing methodologies out there and then you know kind of share some data that you guys have so so far. So uh, guys welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Thanks, Adam. So I wanted to start with, you know, really, you know, tell us, tell, tell the listeners about uh, the project. Um, some have probably seen uh, some of the hashtags floating around about organic matter, like hashtag organic matter 40, 246. I think that's the, the hashtag. Um, so, you know, what what is it? What's the goal? Um, who's all involved? As an agronomist visiting courses, uh, you know, we take profiles, we squeeze the surface of the profile to see if we can squeeze any water out of it. We, you know, dig and probe and make observations about the depth of the organic matter and and the organic matter concentration. And then um, courses will send samples to labs, different labs. They take the samples at different depths. Some uh, rip the, the verger uh, uh, off the sample the turf off the samples, some do not. Um, the labs treat the samples differently. So as an agronomist, I'm, I'm trying to make recommendations for courses on how much nitrogen, how much uh, sand top dressing to add throughout the year, um, how much cultivation they need to deploy uh, throughout the year to manage organic matter. And, um, you know, I, I want to get better at that. And, and to me, to um, really make those recommendations as good as possible, I need to know, I need to be able to compare one course to another. And right now that's pretty much impossible just because everyone samples differently, the labs handle the samples differently. So the numbers, while they may be valuable for one golf course, they're not valuable from one golf course to another. So at a very high level, the the thought process behind this research and the field work that the USGA agronomists have been doing is really to standardize organic matter sampling and uh, testing. And so a couple of years ago, I reached out to um, 
a number of uh, universities and uh, also uh, got together with um, Michael Woods over in Asia. Uh, so we got uh, Dr. Doug Soldat involved, uh, Jim Murphy from Rutgers, uh, Rocco Swall from uh, Nebraska, and Doug Lindy from University of Delaware um, to, we call them the Organic Matter uh, Brain Trust. And uh, they completed a literature review, basically scoured through the literature and uh, wrote up uh, a synopsis of all the sampling and testing methods thus far. And now we're transitioning into a research phase, again, with the ultimate goal of having a standard, one, one way to sample for and test for uh, organic matter. And I think, you know, it's all about standardization. And when we, when we, we wrote this document that kind of reviewed all the different, you know, the, all the various ways people measure organic matter. So, you know, everybody knows organic matter is really important. You know, it's like it's one of the most important things uh, about your putting green health and performance. But it's measured in so many different ways. And uh, until we can kind of all agree on a single way to do it, it's going to be really hard to even set thresholds and standards. So, for example, the the big one that um, Brian mentioned, like, do you cut the grass off at the top or not? So traditionally in, in soil science, like organic matter is not nothing living. So even though your grass is organic, when you're measuring organic matter, typically you just measure the dead stuff. So that would involve like cutting off the living things. But when you do that, you can you can create a lot of variability depending on like how deep you cut it off. So one of the things we're playing around with in the research is like, what if we just left it on? You know, so we take that we take that element out. Now that that's going to deviate from the traditional definition of organic matter, but it might make things a lot easier if you say just take the top one inch send that to the to the to the lab and then they throw that right in the oven without you know another thing another source of variability is the way that uh, labs process the samples when they show up so typically they they get dried in an oven and then they get ground down into like a not quite a powder but in individual particles and then sometimes they go they get run through a sieve which will sieve out maybe some roots and some organic matter and so all that stuff can introduce variability that that means if your courses, if the lab changes a procedure, your results may bounce around, uh, not because your actual organic matter is changing, but because the methods are. So the whole name of the game is like, can we figure out what the best, most reliable, consistent method is to uh, so we can measure organic matter? And I know that anytime I'm seeing an organic matter test that was done using a particular set of uh, um sequence or a method that that I know that how to compare that number, how to evaluate it and make decisions based off of it. Not only are we trying to evaluate organic matter to make recommendations for cultural practices, but we're also trying to capture what's going on in, in terms of the surface as a playing surface. So we're trying to capture, be able to sort of predict ball reaction. So, you know, if we take all that turf off the top, then I think we're really missing the boat there regarding our uh, analysis, if you will, of of a playing surface. So is it, you know, how firm do you want your greens to get and what sort of range of organic matter levels are optimal, uh, so to speak, to achieve a certain level of, of, of firmness? Right now, we really can't, we have an idea, I guess, but we really can't, you know, make those recommendations. So um, I think the, the playing surface is also a key component of this. Yeah, it's a great point, Brian. And 
I, I remember this is a focus of my master's degree work at Purdue with, with Kale Bigelow was organic matter uh, buildup and aeration and top dressing programs. And uh, we left the, uh, the the grass on when we did our samples and we, you know, picked a kind of a an arbitrary depth of like three inches um, and there was no real reason to do that um, other than that was the depth of like our our moisture meter probes that we were using and then uh, when I went to uh, the crop science meetings in 2008 to present my my research and it was like that's a nerve-wracking experience and then you go up there and you know, you've got rock there and every big name researcher. And they're like, well, why did you leave that, that grass on, uh, you know, when rocks research from, you know, a few years early took, took it all off. And it was just like, you know, didn't have a great answer other than the fact that, you know, superintendents are managing that, that grass, anything that they try to do to organic matter impacts the grass, whether it's top dressing, whether it's aeration. Um, but so this stuff is, is, pretty long overdue when I think that was 2008 uh, when I was finishing up that, that work in grad school. So, you know, 2021 and all, all that time, we, we've been all over the place with different testing methodologies. So um, really exciting to, you know, sort of move in that direction of getting something standardized. Uh, I'm curious, do we have any sort of an estimate as to, you know, when, when we might try to, you know, kind of get to that end goal of having something, you know, that, that, all the labs are doing pretty consistently. It, that won't take long. If if we can all agree that you know this is the way we're going to move forward together, I think I think the labs won't have a problem um, modifying their procedures. Uh, so I think the the bigger question is like how long will it take for us to understand what those numbers mean? Um, cert, so once we once we agree on a protocol and start moving forward, we can start to answer that question. But it's gonna it, it'll take time, right? So just like anything, when you start collecting data, you're not really sure what it means uh, until enough time goes by that you can correlate it with your observations and the, you know, the, like Brian said, how receptive it is to the ball and, and things like that. So, but the, you know, the thing that I'm most excited about is like, think about the, you know, the most disruptive stuff that we do to those putting greens that the golfers hate, right? It's all in the name of organic matter management. And so this will give, uh, give people information to to justify those applications or in some cases say yeah we can back off on on some of the things because we're at you know our organic matter level is at a level where we're getting the surface performance we're comfortable with it so we're going to be able to skip a uh maybe a a cultivation event or decrease the top dressing you know so it's just like you can't you can't manage what you don't measure so we we've been measuring organic matter but we've been doing it kind of haphazardly and in ways that uh are hard to interpret Doug, I have a question for you. Um, one of the aspects of this testing is um, it needs to be practical. You know, you know, we, we can obviously take a hundred samples on a green, but that's not if we're searching for the most accuracy. But that's not practical, and and uh, we need to be able to take a practical number of samples, a pragmatic number of samples, and the diameter of the samples can't be too big we can't be making all kinds of crazy large holes in the green so one of one of the key parts of this is not only are we trying to get out an accurate method but also something that superintendents can do without a tremendous amount of of uh, work so maybe doug you could comment on that a little bit 
Right. So, so we, we did this literature review, we had identified um, kind of the, the range and testing practices out there. And now we're in the process of actually collecting samples and analyzing data and trying to arrive at uh, that method, you know, and so one of the, one of the things we're doing right now uh, at these four different locations is uh, taking different diameter cores. So cup cutter cores, inch and a half diameter cores, and then the standard, you know, three quarter inch um, nutrient cores and seeing, you know, just seeing what the variability is. So traditionally, like for nutrient analysis, we say you want to take about 10 of those three quarter inch cores per, per area that you want to test. So per putting green, um, we're going to see if that holds true for organic matter as well. So we, we don't, I don't today, I don't have the, uh, you know, full set of results to share, but it is looking like, uh, we definitely need a larger diameter core. So whether that's going to be the inch and a half, or maybe even a cup cutter sized core, uh, to even out the, the variability in organic matter that, that we see, that's, that's the question we're trying to answer, but yeah, whatever we're going to do, it's going to have to be practical, right? And in, in we're not going to recommend something you can't do but we want to make sure that what we recommend is going to give reliable results. Over the past uh, year and a half, there, there's four or five agronomists that have been collecting samples on greens and, and we're collecting an inch and a half diameter core and we take five per green and then we're dissecting those into three depths, zero to two, two to four, and four to six uh, centimeters. And I was able to sort of compile the numbers. And um, so far, we've actually collected samples from 508 putting greens um, across 20 states and 157 golf courses. In terms of turf species, we have 165. We're taking on bent grass greens. That means 165 different greens. 122 on bent poa greens. 106 on Poaania, and then pretty much equal between Alta Dwarf Bermuda grass and Bermuda grass uh, at almost 60 each. And just real briefly, that the zero to two centimeter depth has definitely been the most interesting and the most um, variable among the species. As you might expect from our data, the Alta Dwarf Bermuda grass greens have the highest average organic matter in the top two centimeters at about 10%. You know, and if we look at some of the old uh, research, you know, we're t traditionally looking at two to 3% as ideal numbers. Well, in the ultra dwarf Bermuda grass greens, we're seeing about 10%. Um, Bermuda grass, which is Tiff dwarf 328, but Brian, if I can just cut in there, that two to three percent is probably with a deeper core, and it probably gets ground and the and the green stuff cut off. So, I think that's that'll be the adjustment if people start leaving the taking shallower samples, leaving the green stuff on. You're gonna your first reaction is gonna be, wow, you know, seven percent is kind of the numbers we're seeing up here at some of the bent grasses that I'm sampling. So, you know. When we compare it to those old methods, it's going to look different. But, um, you know, when we change the methods, the numbers change. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been eye opening to see such high numbers. But, you know, these aren't, you know, necessarily thatchy greens. I've seen numbers as high as 18% organic matter and numbers as low as 
about 2% in Bermuda grass greens that are only, you know, six, seven months old. Um, for bent grass, the average is just what you said, uh, Doug, right? 6.7%. Poanya greens is 7.2%. And, and Bermuda grass, like Tiff Dwarf and stuff, is about 8.4%. Uh, so that kind of makes sense. And I guess for me, what's been interesting is to, to see the golf courses that really have rigorous sand top dressing programs to see that you know typically their values for bent grass greens are usually around five percent and i've also been measuring firmness on some of these greens not all of them but um, there is a correlation to, to firmness and uh, and organic matter it's not it's not as strong as we might have guessed but there's definitely a relationship there it's interesting brian you, you talk about the those numbers and then Doug get great point about kind of comparing the the old school numbers of two to three percent you know with a, a, a different uh, methodology for taking the sample and and I think that's definitely been one of the major challenges that superintendents have faced is they're if they're trying to chase that that low number but they're using a, a sampling technique that you know, is is different than what was done based on the number that they're they're after. Um, they can end, end up, you know, not having enough organic matter in their putting greens. And I've seen a fair amount of those examples where superintendents are targeting their top dressing all the time, and they're targeting 20, 25% surface area disruption through pulling cores or verticutting. And then, you know, you get to the greens and there's just no structure and ball marks collapse and, you know, trying to chase a number that you know, you're not comparing apples to apples. So again, more, more sort of value to this project to kind of pinpoint, you know, what's, what's typically going to work for, you know, a a given grass. And obviously it's going to range depending upon everyone's situation, but having this consistency is what I think is really going to help superintendents, you know, sort of design their programs and, and have a good understanding of how things are going to react when it comes to organic matter and firmness and even even speed to some extent, you know, it's te- definitely tied into organic matter and how much speed you can get out of greens. So um, really interesting stuff there. Yeah. And even it might influence the way your wedding agents work or, you know, how, how maybe you need to apply wedding agents more frequently because you have more organic matter in that surface. So it's, I think it's going to help us just be better managers all around is by standardizing that. Another thing I, I'd, I'd like to bring up is um, Ed McCoy at Ohio state developed a, uh, model, a prediction model to uh, predict how much organic matter is uh, in the top inch, and then the second inch and the third inch of of uh, of sand putting greens. And so you can you can download that uh, at buckeyeturf.osu.edu, and um, you can plug in like your uh, your sand top dressing events, your cultivation events, and, you know, start with your initial organic matter at those different depths. And it's going to take your weather and kind of predict what's going to happen. You can play around with your top dressing cultivation programs and, you know, try to uh, keep things steady or maybe you want to decrease things. Um, so it's kind of fun to, to kind of do some long range planning and, and tweaking around with that. And there, uh, I think that is a, that model, um, leaves the grass on kind of the higher organic matter levels that we're talking about now. A couple of interesting examples, I guess, where I found this to be useful. There was a, a Bermuda grass golf course that, that had just regrassed greens to an ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. And in the first year, 
I think the organic matter levels were in the 3-4% range. They were under a tight time schedule to, to get the greens open for, for play and um, put a lot of nitrogen down. The membership was pushed back, I guess, on some of the cultural practices. And in a year's time, or, or 14 months, the organic matter levels in that top two centimeters went all the way up to 14%. In areas, low areas of the greens, they had thinning in some of the Bermuda grass areas where there was traffic during the winter months and not as much uh, growth. So I've, you know, it's been fun to, to start working with the courses right after they rebuild greens. Um, another course up in Sacramento I work with uh, planted pure distinction greens a few years back and they were busy right out of the gates with sand top dressing and while the numbers have increased they've plateaued at what we feel is a good number and um, so the year-over-year -year data um, has been really interesting to see some that have not changed at all which is probably a good thing and others others where have gone up significantly and I have a couple courses, examples where we identified a year ago that, gosh, you're, you know, you're in the 14, 15% range. We probably need to, uh, to increase cultural practices. And sure enough, we saw the numbers uh, go down. So already, even early in this um, early stages of this research and field, field work, um, it's already been, been valuable, at least for me as an agronomist. So guys, I'm curious, is there, you know, it's obviously still early in the uh, stages of this of this work, but is there a way that superintendents can, you know, get involved? Obviously, you know, lots of people want to get, you know, good information about organic matter in their putting greens, but is this something that, you know, is just sort of, we're, we're, we're looking for more samples or we think we're good? Where, where are we at there if superintendents can get, get involved? So right now I've just been doing the courses that I'm doing course consulting service uh, visits with and and I've uh, been basically taking three three greens um, and, and try to do it about the same time of year uh, year after year so really only in year two now I'm I've got a, a specialized sampler that we're using it doesn't mean it's the right way to do it it's just the way that we're currently doing it we're breaking out in a two centimeter um, increments but Doug I know that you know you you're looking at one inch and maybe ultimately that's that's the way to go so I'll, I'll let you go Doug yeah I was gonna say like you know you don't have to wait for whatever comes out of this right to to start doing what we're talking about and I think what we're talking about applies to so many different things is it's just consistency you know you've heard that a million times with soil testing is like pick a lab that that is has good quality control and stick with it um, if you start switching labs, if you, if you take deeper samples, then your numbers don't mean anything. So for organic matter, and, and, you know, I, if you've heard me talk about soil testing before, you know, I do not get excited about soil test nutrient levels. Oh, you know, it's probably one of the most overrated things you can test for. So, you know, the way I would, I say it is we probably should be testing for our organic matter first, and then looking at the nutrient levels in those organic matter tests as like a kind of a secondary point of interest. So take that top inch and maybe you want to go down deeper depending on, you know, what your organic matter distribution looks like. Um, but let's just focus on the top inch. Take an inch or two centimeter, whatever, sample 
and just take that same depth every time from the same set of greens that that you want to do at the same time of year and then over time you're going to start to be able to react to those numbers so you know the key is consistency in your in your methods um, whether it's nutrients or organic matter or whatever but again with organic matter we're, we're talking about surface preparation we that's why we're interested in that in that shallower depth and the nutrient levels in there are going to be they're going to be way higher than you're used to seeing so your phosphorus levels in that top inch are going to be probably double what your normal phosphorus is it doesn't mean the phosphorus changed any it's just that it gets tied up in the top um, and so if, if that number starts trending downward you know that maybe you're you know at some point you might run into a, a you know, phosphorus deficiency and you're gonna have to apply more phosphorus but uh, that number when the grass turns purple uh, that's your number you know and so you can start to use those numbers uh, as, as thre thresholds and guides specifically for your for your course so consistency is, is the key the green section agronomists have been using Brookside labs to send the samples um, really that was a recommendation from from Micah Woods Micah paid a visit to Brookside and work with Jackie Brockman over there to Really, Doug, is what we talked about. They, they, he wanted to make sure all the samples were being handled um, the way that he wanted, which was basically to take the material, no sieving, just put it in a crucible, put it in the oven. Uh, they're actually heating it at 330 and 440 degrees. Doug, I'd like to hear your input on, on that. From, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem to really matter. Those those The values uh, retrieved from those two uh, recordings are linear, like 99% R-squared value. So it seems like the 440 burns all the organic matter off uh, a little bit better. But, you know, like Doug said, it's important to use the same lab. But I, if you're going to, whatever lab you choose, I would, I would suggest leaving the turf on and burning at 440. But, but Doug, I'll, I'll let you comment on that. Yeah. And that's the stuff that we're doing right now. It, um, Brian, as you're aware, we're, we're, taking real world organic matter samples and we're processing them in different ways and seeing which of the of the various things you can do which ones have the the biggest influence and obviously leaving the grass off or taking it on is is one that's huge basically it's going to double your organic matter um and so we think that that's going to be probably one of those practices leaving the grass on is going to be a good recommendation because it takes that you know how deep you cut the grass off or the way you cut the grass off could influence it so we'll minimize that the temperature i agree you know probably doesn't make a big difference um 360 4 430 whatever you said um you will you will see fluctuations but they're they're probably going to be much more uh inconsequential um but if if we uh if we find otherwise there might be a certain temperature that that you know we will have to recommend um what other things uh are we looking at i guess the you know the number of samples that you need so brian you say you're taking five from a green you know that's probably in the ballpark uh a, a inch and a half diameter core five samples per green is going to give you a pretty good average but we want to really nail that down because we know organic matter is going to vary with moisture and elevation so you might you know some spots on your green might have you know 50 percent lower organic matter than other spots and so if you're if you're not sampling taking enough cores you might actually get a you know a inaccurate uh, measurement so you know those are the things we're chipping away at but uh, again you know Hopefully we've given we've given enough guidance here where folks can start to uh, put a program in place and um, 
and maybe tweak it a bit as as uh, as we learn more, which is what you know, but what we're always doing. We're always you know we're always tweaking stuff, uh, organic matter and anything anything else. Doug, you brought up a good point about different levels within a certain greens, and just as a guideline, you know, I I try to avoid any uh, weak areas, or I try to avoid in an area near a greenside bunker where there's going to be additional sand from from sand splash onto the onto the green. Um, you know, try to pick three greens on the golf course that are representative of the entire golf course, unless you want to look at something specifically like a shaded. Uh, green versus a green that's in an open uh, environment you know that that's kind of an interesting analysis as well yeah for sure I mean it's all headed down the road of precision turf management right so we know that all of the greens aren't the same they grow differently they behave differently have different drainage so why do we treat them all the same and you know of course we don't always treat them the same you know if you're doing cultivation on a green that doesn't need it because the organic matters in your target probably should skip it you know, and when we're not, we don't have the level of information to make those, those decisions at this point, but uh, that's, that's what we're driving towards. Yeah, that's a great point, Doug, the, the precision, you know, precision management is, is, I think, really hits the nail on the head with what we're trying to do. Obviously, superintendents are doing this all the day where they're, they're balancing data with their field observations and understanding, okay, I've got these tests, whether it's nutrients, whether it's organic matter, whether it's particle size analysis, you know, but how, how are things playing? And that's what, you know, our agronomists really focus on too is, you know, okay, it might not look, you know, like, like you thought it was going to look, but is it playing okay? And, and sort of use that to help tailor, you know, your, your program, use the data along with, you know, how ball reaction is, how, how easy it is to get speed out of the greens, or are you really having to, you know, kill yourself to do, you know, to, to get some reasonable speeds, those all factor in. So, um, I, I really like the, that info and Brian, those, those tips are, are really good. I see, you know, a lot of value in, you know, avoid, like you said, avoiding bunkers, avoiding weak areas, unless that's really your, your focus of, Hey, is this area really struggling because of shade or, you know, whatever it might be. So, you know, we're, as far as the green section goes, we're going to press forward with our current method. I, I believe we may play around with some different tools to take the samples. Um, but Doug, what, what are you thinking in, in terms of being able to ultimately make a recommendation to the industry about a sampling method and making a recommendation to the labs? Do you think that's a year away, two years away? What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think, I think this, the pilot study that we're working on now, we're, we're in the early phases of it, but I would expect that we would, we'll have this wrapped up by the end of next season and, and we're doing it in, in pieces. So like right now we're working on uh, number of samples and how big your samples have to be. And then the next phase will be moving on to how much, how much do we mess things up when we cut off the, the grass? You know, how important is that? And then there could be another phase where we look at the, the burning temperature. So we're kind of just chipping away piece by piece. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably get at least two or three of those things done this season. Um, and then maybe into next season if we have to, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to, to wrap this up. Awesome. No, that, that sounds really good. And we have a lot, like I said, we've done 508 greens and, and starting to get an idea of, certainly what the average is, and, and I'm reluctant to offer any ideal guidelines. I, I think, I just, I don't think that's helpful for a particular golf course, because I honestly, I've seen some golf courses with 
organic matter levels that are probably higher than what is average or may be considered ideal, but they're performing great and ball reaction seems to be fine and the greens are taking water fine. So I, um, and I've talked to Micah Woods about this and, and that maybe it's not so much the optimal number or optimal range, but working with a particular golf course and just tracking their organic matter values year in and year out and giving them guidance on how to lower or raise their organic matter if if they need to based on golfer comments based on firmness readings speed readings all, all that so it's moving forward i think the best way to to work with this data is to work with golf courses individually and cater their the recommendations as far as cultural practices based on playability and their organic matter levels i agree with that and i think you know travis shaddix at um uh kentucky ha has the perfect analogy for this and it applies to nutrients organic matter whatever we go to the doctor they take our every time we go in take your blood pressure right everybody's blood pressure is different you know some people trend towards higher some are lower and the doctor's never like making a decision off of any individual blood pressure. They look at the trend line, right? So you come in and all of a sudden your blood pressure is, is a lot higher than it had been the last 15 times that, that Hey, we got to look at this, right? So it, it, with organic matter and, and nutrients too, I mean, keep things low. If, if you're happy with the performance of your greens and you know what that organic matter level is, you probably want to see that that same organic matter level next year. So if it starts to trend upward, you might have a problem. You want to bring it back down. Um, and so I think that's really the key. And that's why we want to be consistently collecting data, tracking that data, not overreacting to it. You know, don't worry about like, I don't I don't care about the MLSN threshold for phosphorus because I know my greens here at the research station turn purple when they're in single digits. So I pull a sample, it's 10 or 12, that's double digits. I don't have to worry about that, you know? So single digits, I know from tracking my phosphorus levels, that's where they start to turn purple. Um, and so you can you can do that at, at every course and they're all gonna be a bit different. Um, you know, the, if you have finer sand particles, chances are you're gonna uh, have a different organic matter, you know, optimum than if, if you built your green, even within the USGA specifications or recommendations at a coarser. Um, particle size. So there's definitely not going to be one size fit all. And it's just, you know, tr tracking numbers, looking for changes and trends. Yeah, really well said, Doug. That That's a great way to wrap up the show today. Um, again, exciting times looking at uh, where this project is going. Uh, obviously, we've got a, a rock star team of, of researchers uh, looking at this. And then, Brian, I know you said uh, a number of USG agronomists um, are, are, are out there getting these samples as well. And um, so looking forward to seeing where this research progresses. Uh, certainly once we have some more uh, concrete recommendations, Doug, we'll, we'll look to hit you up for an article on the Green Section Record and, and join the podcast again. So uh, guys, any, any last thoughts before, uh, before we close today? Not here, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's fun. Fun to chat, Doug and Adam. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to do this again, like I said. So um, thanks again for your time. And uh, again, looking forward to, to seeing the results. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast through Apple. And if you want to subscribe to Green Section Record, our digital magazine that's published twice each month. Uh, it's got tons of information about the latest trends in golf course management, uh, turf grass and environmental research, and field observations from USG agronomists. 
And lastly, keep in mind organic matter management data and trends can be easily viewed in USGA Deacon, uh, our digital um, our online platform that allows superintendents to uh, really fine-tune their man management inputs uh, and compare things like clipping data and green speed, all the performance characteristics uh, associated with your greens, and be able to easily cross-compare that with organic matter uh, values.